We are so glad to have you here for another episode of the All Things ADHD podcast. We're your hosts, Alyssa and Samantha, also known as Allie and Sam. I'm Sam. This podcast was created with the ADHD brain in mind. We have fun and engaging discussions on serious topics that affect you. Hey, it's Alyssa here. You're in luck and also in good company because both of us have ADHD. Not only do we have ADHD, but we're also ADHD coaches. Sam and I are real-life friends who met in our ADHD coach training course. We basically live, eat, breathe, and sleep ADHD. And now, for this episode of the All Things ADHD podcast... Hey guys, it's Alyssa here. Today we're going to be talking to you about transitions and or transitioning. According to thesaurus.com, transitions are a shift, a changeover, a metamorphosis, a transformation, or an evolution. And for the purpose of our episode today, we're going to be focusing on the shift and changeover part. But also, we're in a big transition right now with COVID-19 going on, and that would be more of a metamorphosis, a transformation, or an evolution. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, my thought about this is that we're in the midst of transitioning from what I think of as the old normal into some sort of new normal. But right now we're kind of all in this liminal space and a lot of things are uncertain. Mm -hmm. We're not going from like one fixed point to another fixed point. We don't know what the new normal is really going to look like. Those of us with ADHD can really struggle with uncertainty, especially if it's long-term uncertainty. Yeah. I keep saying like, I'm in limbo phase right now. Yeah. I think a lot of us identify with that. Um, We're good in a crisis, but, or we can be good in a crisis, but a kind of longer term crisis is, is definitely harder for us. Um, And I think that's primarily because um, ADHDers have major issues due to time blindness. And that isn't just like the fact that we don't, sort of naturally feel the passage of time like neurotypical people do. But it means that we don't innately feel an emotional connection with the future, even the Mm. near future. And we might have developed beliefs over time about how our emotional state in in any given moment determines our ability to undertake a task, finish a task, and then shift to doing the next thing. Transitioning. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That shift. Um, Okay, so we wanted to start off our discussion on transitions by saying like what each of our definition of transitions is. Sam, what's your definition of a transition? Um, So basically, I really identify with um, (laughs) the shift or changeover. So transitioning from one task or activity to another task or activity. This concept used to be completely and totally foreign to me except um, for the past few years. I had no clue what transitions were. Um, and much less did I understand why they're so necessary, why it's so necessary to make time and space to actually do them properly. I'd say that this is the primary reason why I've historically run late for almost everything, especially as I got older. That's really interesting because like people often attribute that to time blindness, like the being late all the time. But for you, it's probably the transition piece also. 
Right. So for me, the transition piece is really connected to time blindness. And also as I got older, the number and complexity of my responsibilities increased. And so Mm -hmm. that I would say that the issues that time blindness caused were sort of became exponential at that point. Right. Right. And then because of the time blindness, you're kind of like running from task to task, which affected transitions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I guess I would say that um, I've spent a lot of my adult life basically being forced to transition from one task or activity to another (laughs) by urgency or or another person or the structure I was contained within at that point, like um, my employer, rather than transitioning from one thing to another of my own volition and with intention. That's such a good point. (laughs) Thanks, Alyssa. (laughs) Um, I'd say that primarily that was because I was operating through, sorry, I was operating as though my emotional state was kind of the only determining factor about whether I could do a task and whether I could switch to a different task. Um, Like that feel like it thing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, like I have to feel like it to do it. And if I don't feel like it, I I literally can't do it. Right, right. I, Which I think is like something that comes up a lot in um, ADHD circles that, you know, how can I make myself feel like it? Because obviously, like, unless I feel like it, it's just it not going to happen. happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... I just want to point out that especially when we're not in control of our own transitioning process and it's sort of we're being forced to transition through urgency or another person, then um, it can feel like transitioning can feel like it takes a lot of energy, especially in those circumstances. Mm-hmm. And it sounds stressful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's for me, it's it was really part of the sort of like chronic stress lifestyle that I developed over time. Um, And I was kind of, I just became so used to running on adrenaline and being motivated by urgency and believing that that was like the only way that I could actually do things. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that I also had kind of positive associations with the sort of last minute hyper-focus drive of anxiety that we get um, sometimes that I thought that like, oh, that will actually just result in me performing better than I otherwise would. Right. Like if I had taken the proper time to actually transition, my body wouldn't have produced stress chemicals that I believed that I needed in order to actually activate or perform well, especially under pressure. Yeah. And yeah, it's funny because like, I think I'm the opposite of that. Like I had, I feel like I had so much you know, adrenaline and cortisol and all those fun things in my body. And it was kind of like, it felt like a real permanent state. And Mm. it was like, and I say it was because I feel like I'm doing a lot better on this now, but it was really hard for me to focus, to be honest. And now I really don't like that feeling at all. I really don't like that, like urgency feeling. And I, because, because I find it harder to get stuff done in that feeling too. I think mm. self-talk around that is like, oh, I don't have enough time. Oh my God, why didn't I start earlier? And then it's rather than using it, that feeling and that cortisol and that adrenaline and that urgency feeling for the better, 
I'm like the, my self-talk in that moment is bringing me down. And I just verbally process that. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really interesting because actually I don't, I don't know that um, we're opposites in that particular regard, at least um, because it's sort of the, the, uh, the strategy to run on adrenaline and urgency kind of works until it doesn't anymore. Right. Um, that's and that's point. the point where we can, um, you know, our, our chronic stress just becomes unmanageable and the strategies that we used to use to activate don't work anymore. And we have all of, we've built up all of these like stories about ourselves because of those experiences where our strategies don't work anymore that mm -hmm. it just, yeah, it just keeps building and building. Which is so funny that because like it forces us to transition the way that we are, we have been doing it. Like that whole transformation side of the transition definition, mm, you know, that's a really good point. It's not working anymore. So we have to transform what we're doing. Yeah. Very good <laughs> point. Alyssa. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear a little bit more about um, what transitioning looks like for you. Before I jump in and explain what transitioning is to me, I just want to explain that transitioning is a part of our executive function. So we actually brought executive function up in our last episode, and we didn't want to just leave you hanging and tell you to go look it up. So what we did is we have a definition here, and we got a definition online so that we could keep it super short um, and not take up too much of our time. So the definition is actually from Wikipedia. Um, so executive functions collectively referred to as executive function and cognitive control are a set of cognitive processes that are necessary for the cognitive control of behavior, selecting and successfully monitoring behaviors that facilitate the attainment of chosen goals. And the link's going to be in our resources online. Um, so also to just like give you another little side of executive function, there's a psychiatrist named Thomas Brown. And he came up with a model defining different components of executive function. These different components are activation, focus, effort, memory, emotion, and action. So it's my belief that transitioning would fall into the focus category since transitioning encompasses shifting attention to tasks. Does that make sense, Sam? Yeah. Thanks okay. for sharing all of that, Alyssa. I am... Um... I have to say uh, that I, I just think it's important for us to share the definition so that people know what we're talking about. Um, we we um, strive to not be the types of professionals who just throw out terms um, without any explanation and assuming people know what they mean. So yeah, I yeah, appreciate all yeah. that. I got to say it's hard though sometimes because we talk about these things every day. So it is so normal for us and it's hard to remember sometimes that it's not a regular, it's not regular vocabulary for most people. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll keep going. Um, so for me, transitioning is basically like a limbo between tasks when we haven't fully transitioned, transition, that's a hard word for me, apparently transitioned <laughs> out of one task and fully activating into another task. So mm. I find it's really also really easy for me to get lost in this limbo phase. Like, you know, and you're like walking through your house and you're like, what was I doing? Oh, how did I, I was, end up here? I was going <laughs> to ask you, Alyssa, like, what do you mean by getting lost? But I guess you yeah. literally mean like getting lost in yeah. the limbo phase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yep, definitely. Um, yeah, and I feel like you have to like really conscious, consciously switch between tasks. So switching your focus between one task and then another task and actively deciding, I'm going to do this right now and being fully present in that new task. Mm, yeah, and it sounds a lot like um, being intentional, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that the the real key is that you have to stop thinking about the task that you were, like the first task that you were doing. Stop thinking? How do I stop thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's really hard. And especially like, like if I could give you an example, like, you know, when you're you're doing this really fun, engaging project, and then, oh, wait, I have to stop this project because I have to do a chore like the dishes. Yeah, luckily, that's not fun. The, yeah, not fun at all. <laughs> but luckily, the dishes don't take a lot of brain power. So you could actually still be thinking about that first fun, engaging task. No problem. But sometimes that other task is not the dishes. And it's something that actually requires brain power, like maybe like doing taxes so Yikes. it won't serve you <laughs> to be thinking about your project while you're doing your taxes. It's actually probably going to take you a lot longer to do your taxes. So, hmm, okay. Maybe that's where I'm going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you have to stop thinking about the project so you can do the taxes and have your focus and intentionally have be focused on your taxes. Yeah, that makes sense. And if I'm fully or at least mostly focused on doing my taxes when I'm doing my taxes. Maybe I'll do them more quickly and it won't be so painful. Yeah, just rip that <laughs> Band-Aid off. <laughs> um, I wonder, has your definition of transitioning changed over time? Oh my gosh, definitely. Um, I used to think that transitioning was basically switching from one task to another, which it is, but there's so much more involved and we're actually going to talk about that after but for me transitioning has been like I've been paying attention to it and I've noticed that my transitioning hiccup if you will is that I don't fully clean up after myself when I finish a task so like example I have me and Sam have you know a pot a podcast that we're doing together so naturally I have this journal and I have my pens out and I have notes and I have all the stuff associated with recording this podcast and it's all across my table and you know we finish recording and then I leave and all of my stuff is still across the table and I'm jumped on to my next task and usually what happens is I really have to pee so I get up and I go pee and then <laughs> I get distracted by something along the way and then, yeah. So it's like I have to. Finish. And then it's off to the races. Exactly. And then before you know it, I have piles everywhere. Um, so for me, I really have to pay attention now to okay, I finished this task, but what is the full picture of me finishing this task? Like, what does that involve? Um, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I think. Um making sure that we have clear definitions of what that means to us rather than just sort of like assuming that at some point it will become obvious um, that we've completed a task is just so important. Um, and I think when we have ADHD, a hugely positive thing we can do for ourselves is just to develop greater knowledge about 
what transitions are and what they actually look like for you now as an individual and what you would like them to look like and feel like. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know from personal experience that improving your relationship with transitions can be life changing. Believe me, if I can do it, then all of you listening can definitely do it. <laughs> yes, you can. So we wanted to provide a few different examples of what it can look like if someone with ADHD has difficulty with transitions, because there are a few different ways that we can struggle. And hopefully all of you listening will be able to identify some of your specific struggles in these examples, and then um, more easily be able to identify what you can do about them when we talk about that later. Yeah. And like, just so you guys know, a lot of these are examples from our own lives, me and Mm. Sam's lives. Um, (laughs) So you guys aren't alone if these speak to you. Um, So, so one example is, you know, not, because we don't know how long a task will actually take, we don't typically schedule enough time for us, for ourselves to finish the task. There's no wiggle room, shall we say, um, to pick it up and be able to complete it at a particular time. Did that make sense? I'm feeling like that maybe didn't make so much sense. It totally made sense to me. Um, so if we don't know how long a task takes, then we probably won't schedule enough time to do it. And if we're not even like super aware that we don't know how long it will take us, we might not actually build in any wiggle room so that if we don't complete it the in the time we've scheduled it, that we can still work on it later like that we still have time before like a deadline or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, And also I think like the key in there too is sometimes there's a lot of steps involved in a task and we don't see all the steps due to our executive function challenges. And so like something like a 20 minute drive to the doctor, we will leave 20 minutes before we have to be in that appointment with our doctor. And by leave... Like, I know for me, it, leaving doesn't necessarily mean like actually leaving my house and being in the car and like um, driving away when I'm like, oh, I need to leave at this time to get there on time. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I would be like, actually, not even halfway through a task I was trying to complete at the time that I thought I'm supposed to be leaving. And so then I would like quickly try to finish the task or have to just drop it at an, like, at an un- not ideal moment. And then, you know, then I'd be like, oh, I need to use the bathroom. And like, what am I supposed to bring for this doctor's appointment? And, you know, by the time I figure all of that out, it's another like five, 10 minutes. And then I haven't accounted for the time it takes me to actually like get in my car and get situated. Um, and then I drive and I haven't um, necessarily taken into consideration that, my drive might not go like perfectly as I plan it. <laughs> I mean, there's oh, lights and traffic. Right, there's lights, <laughs> there's traffic. Um, if you're me, you might miss your exit and have to like, <laughs> you know, re-navigate. Um, and then of course there's often like, it can take a while to park once you get there and then even more time to walk to the building and then take the lift to whatever floor you need to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is basically like, you're, you all are being walked through my challenge of getting to an appointment with my psychiatrist on time. Yeah. <laughs> That's and like, what this example is. 
I, like I was hearing so much preparation that's needed for something as simple as a doctor's appointment. Like you have to think beforehand, okay, what time do I have to leave? What do I need? Do I have to pee? Do I have to eat? Uh, what time do I need to finish this task at that I just started? You know, that one right. that you went over in. So it's like pre-thinking, okay, well, what time do I need to stop? So that Pre-thinking, I, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, what time do I have to stop this task so that I can transition out of it? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I guess like, we've kind of gone over this, but I just want to highlight that, um, people with ADHD, um, like one of the inattentive symptoms we can have is like, just basically not really being aware that we have bodies and bodily functions that need to be attended to on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So for me, I know when I'm like pushed for time or I haven't, um, you know, I haven't allowed myself enough time for a particular task, then, I will basically try to cut corners in my transition time where I like don't use the bathroom if I need to, or I don't get a snack or I don't get a glass of water, or I don't just sort of, I don't know, get up from my desk and walk around a little bit um, to sort of reset mentally before my next thing. I will just like jump from one task or activity to another. And then in the meantime, you know, my, my focus um, and ability to shift between tasks might be suffering because maybe I have to pee or I'm hungry mm-hmm. or I need water or I just like my body is like totally tired of sitting around for hours. Yeah. And if you like arrive at your psychiatrist appointment with, you know, a hungry belly, really needing to pee, uh, <laughs> like, just all, all, while those I, all while I've driven there too and probably missed my turn, like that's yeah. going to make it harder for me to like concentrate enough to drive, you know, Yeah, and then. Yeah, and then you need to focus in that session. And how can you focus when you the, all of those mountain of things are taking right. up your brain space? I try to be a lot more cognizant now of, um, you know, attending to my body mm-hmm. and trying to pay attention to the signals that it gives me. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to say that time timer. I mean, they should pay me because I talk about time timer all the time. <laughs> but <laughs> time timer is like it made the biggest difference for me because there's this external thing telling me, Hey, Alyssa, you're going to have to pee when this timer goes off, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> or just ask yourself if you have like, what do you need to do? Because, Hey, guess what? You have another thing coming up in 10 minutes. Right. And think about those things. Yeah. I mean, I think even for some of us, if we really struggle with it, like, I guess, again, going back to a checklist, like even having it, you know, on the wall or something somewhere you can easily like reference it. You know, if you really struggle with transitions, know that like when your timer goes off at this, like whatever interval, look at the checklist, be like, do I feel like I need to do that or that or that? Or, you know, what do I like? What basic stuff do I need to do now in order to successfully transition? Yeah. And basically you're in that moment, what you're really doing is you're externalizing your executive function. You're Indeed. not relying on your brain to remember everything. Which yeah, sometimes, exactly. you know, doesn't turn out super well. <laughs> I mean, for me, pretty much ever. Speaking of reminders, um, what I found to be kind of a, a useful uh, way of thinking of them is in t- intentional versus environmental reminders. Mm. to transition 
Um, and thinking of an example of an environmental reminder that I've relied on in the past is back when I worked in an office back in the day, um, <laughs> sometimes there would be a group of people who would leave the office at 4 p.m. before we are like technically supposed to leave um, to go to the pub. Uh, this was back when I worked in the UK. And um, I often would work really late and not go to the pub, but there, was, there were points where I wanted to leave the office at five so I could go to my dance class or whatever else I was doing that evening. And I ran into trouble when I um, realized that I was kind of relying on other people leaving the office to signal to me, okay, it's time to go, because sometimes people wouldn't leave at five, they'd leave at four. And then I could no longer rely on them like leaving the office to signal to me, okay, it's time to go. Yeah, so then, okay. How would you have set an intentional reminder in that situation? <laughs> um, well, I basically, what I would have done is along with deciding when I'm going to leave the office at the beginning of the day, I would, this is before I had ADHD, so, or before I had ADHD, before <laughs> my ADHD diagnosis. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> Okay, so everyone, we are currently having a laughing fit, and we're going to try and push through this. <laughs> so my question for you, Sam, is how do you set the intentional reminders to, to transition? Well, you basically do it at the beginning of the day when you've decided, okay, I'm going to leave at five. You would then intentionally set a reminder, like on your phone, I don't know, at 4.55, for 4.55, um, to, to start getting ready to go or like 4.30 or however long it takes you to actually transition. Right. Um, for me at that point, I think it would have taken only five minutes because I did not want to be at the office. Um, even though I was distracted a lot and worked really late because of that. But, um, yeah. So set a reminder, basically once you've actually set the intention to do that thing at a particular time. Yeah. Um, and sorry, can I just, it's making me think that so many people tell themselves, I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember that I need to leave at 5 p.m. Yeah, like this is really important to me to go to this dance class or whatever. So clearly I'm going to remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's the thing is um, accepting that we have an ADHD, like we have ADHD brain wiring. And that means that just because something is important to us does not mean that we'll remember it. At exactly. All. Yeah. And it's like that ability to catch yourself in those moments when you're like, oh, I'm going to remember. And then you're like, yeah, that's like red alert, red yeah. alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that's the time where it's more like more urgent than ever to set that reminder is when you're like, I totally won't need that reminder. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. For sure. Um, so, yeah. Um, basically, did I already talk about the pub? I think I must. <laughs> Did you go to the pub today? <laughs> Is there a pub on my road? Where am I? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, you did. You talked about the pub. <laughs> a few times. Okay. And how I did not go to the pub. You did um, not. Yeah. So basically the idea with an intentional reminder is that we have control over it. 
And if we are relying on our environment or something in our environment, someone in our environment to sort of signal to us, okay, it's time to go do this thing. We don't have control over that. And like Mm -hmm. when that, if that actually happens and when it actually happens. Mm -hmm. Yep. So yeah, I guess the key is taking responsibility to actually remind yourself to do the thing. When you just said like take responsibility, it kind of just like put this ping of sadness inside me because I I don't think that people, like I think that sometimes people, it's not that they don't want to take responsibility, it's they don't know how to take responsibility. You know, the act of this is important to me and I want to leave by five, sometimes they think that's enough. Right. Yeah, like going back to the thing of like, Oh, except that you have an ADHD brain. And what that means is if something's important to you, like that has no correlation whatsoever on whether you'll remember it, right? Yeah. And and sometimes what you're trying to do so that you could leave by 5 p.m. is not suitable for you and your brain. And if it's not working, try differently. Yeah, I love that. Take a take a dance class at lunchtime or something. Yeah. 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 Or, you know, instead of setting a reminder, get someone to call you or, you know, maybe that's right. actually kind of relying on other people, but, you know, <laughs> depending on the context, I mean, it could, yeah. it could work. Um, but the key is actually like setting it up yourself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it takes practice to figure out what works best for you in terms of how to take responsibility for something. Mm-hmm. It takes trial and error, practice, experimenting, whatever like <laughs> other word you want to use. Like, yeah, this is a process and it takes time to figure out how to do it. Yeah. And I've already brought time timer up once, but time timer for me was that responsibility. That was what I needed to help myself. I'm sort of envisioning your life right now, Alyssa, in terms of like, there are two halves of it, or not, two parts of it. And that is that there was a time before the time timer, and then there's the time after the time timer, like after the time timer came into your life. You can make a movie. (laughs) Yeah, you can make a movie. I'm like picturing the cover of a romance novel right now with you and time timer. Wow, this has just become really absurd, but. Yeah, yeah. my boyfriend's got some serious competition. (laughs) (laughs) wow um does he resent your time timer does he like it I don't know I think he's indifferent I think he knows how much it helps me okay like I'm not even kidding you sometimes we're having dinner I'm like here comes the time timer because I've got to be on a call in 20 minutes and the time timer is at the table (laughs) Uh, so as long as the the time timer is the third wheel and not your boyfriend then it sounds like it's all all right yeah no that's that's really accurate (laughs) So it's easier to transition out of tasks when we want to do the next task. As long as you remember what your next task is, right? Yeah. (laughs) But like, it's so true. You know, when we're like really excited to jump on that phone call with our next person or, you know, the the next person on our schedule or, oh, I get to watch this movie. So I'm going to run through this task that I have to do now. So I get to watch the movie after or Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, or I'm going to just keep working on, uh, I don't know, the dishes, because the next thing on my schedule is to work on my taxes, and, like, basically anything is better than that, <laughs> Yeah, right? Yeah. So I'll just 
I'll just like really drag my feet during the dishes. And also just like be aware if you're negotiating with yourself. Pay attention to what you're saying to yourself. Mm. Is it true? You know, are you negotiating? Um, and then on the flip side, like, you know, the hyper focus that we have where we cannot take ourselves out of a task that we are super engaged in. We feel like we can't take ourselves out of a task. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really important comment. Feelings are important, but um, feelings are not facts. So. Mm. Feelings are not facts. In terms of self-talk, that means like, yeah, being aware of like the, the words we're actually using, like, oh, I can't stop doing this. Um, is a world apart from, oh, I don't feel like, I, I don't feel like stopping doing this, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so being careful about how we word it um, means that we can kind of give something more or less power over us than it actually, than is actually true. I'm intentionally going to take us on a little tangent. When I was first diagnosed with ADHD, the, one of the first things that I did was I wrote on my wall on cue cards, and this is one of my first posts on my misleading ADHD count, is that I put uh, always, and I crossed it out, and there's a few other words that I'm blanking on. It's probably something along the lines of like need, should, all of those black and white words. Never. Never. Yeah. And I put them on my wall and I paid attention to how often I said them and I would catch myself. And I said them a lot. And when I stopped saying them, it was like this, this weight was lifted on me, off of me. <laughs> no, because I would say things like, they always do that. Or I always do that. And it was just, it was, it was harmful and it wasn't true. But we can repeat something that isn't true so many times that we start believing that it is actually true, right? <clears throat> mm -hmm. And then once we stop doing that, then we stop believing that it's true eventually. Okay, so um, bringing us back off this <laughs> rabbit hole that I've taken us down yet again. No, I, I think that was a super useful rabbit hole. So, um, yeah, I guess another thing that makes it difficult to transition for us properly is not having an accurate um, picture of what is involved in both like finishing up a task and what is involved in a transition itself. Yeah. So, so like, what do you mean by having that definition? Like what, what does that look like for a task? Really great question. And it's going to vary based on the task. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that one of the things I still struggle with, but I used to really, really struggle with is putting basically a project on my to-do list, um, mm -hmm. on my task list. For example, like that was like the kiss of death for that project because it felt so huge. I didn't know where, you know, I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what to do in the middle and I didn't know what to do to finish it up. And I would become so like emotional about, or I would have these like emotions associated with like even the thing written down on my task list, the project that I would kind of go into overwhelm and because, you know, it was like, oh, I've got to do that project now. Where do I start? And yeah. when I feel the pressure of making that decision in the moment of where to start, then I can't even think of where to start. Um, and so basically 
a way to address that is to break down the project into like actual actionable steps that you can take to do the project, but do it, do that sort of action step breakdown at a separate time than when you're, when you've actually scheduled yourself to work on the project. So you don't have to make the decision in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's crucial. Not having to, to make that decision in the moment. When you said kiss of death, I literally pictured like a dementor beside us, like (laughs) (laughs) totally sucking all the, you know, making the room really cold and sucking out all the happiness. (laughs) Yeah. That's what it, that's kind of what it can feel like. Um, When, I mean, I just think about all the years I spent undiagnosed and on obviously then untreated for my ADHD and then just fighting, <clears throat> fighting something all the time that I was like, I don't know what this is or like why it's here. But um. so um, in terms of not having a clear definition of what it looks like to finish a task, um, because we can often find like making those decisions and breaking things down in the moment so difficult, um, we might procrastinate then on like actually like starting the project until the last minute when um, we've got sort of that urgency energy um, driving us at that point. And, but then at that point, like we no longer necessarily feel like we have the luxury of any additional time to then make a proper transition. Yeah. And I think that like to add to that too, we're making this task or project so much bigger than it actually is. Generally, we are like, oh, I have to do laundry. Oh my gosh, I have to. Blah, 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 blah. But and really, so it'll awful take- and boring and like, oh, I have to do it anyway, right? Yeah. But you know, I think some people even like because I know laundry is a big thing for people. Some people with ADHD is like, oh, I've got to do laundry. But the lawn, like laundry, requires several different steps. So really, you don't have to do the laundry right now. All you, all that needs to be done is for you to pick up your laundry hamper, um, assuming all the clothes are in it. But if that's not the case, then you just put the clothes in the laundry hamper. I love the first that. And then carry the laundry hamper yeah. to where the washer, washing machine is. Empty it into the washing machine. Assuming you've emptied out your pockets already. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's not just like, oh, oh I've got, I have to do the laundry, but like, oh, what does that actually like mean right now in this moment? What 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 is the step to take mm-hmm. to do that? Yeah, <clears throat> and it's also like occurring to me that perfectionism might get in our way here too. It's an excellent point, Alyssa. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think also one thing that's come up for me, and I think that this has maybe come up in our conversations before. Maybe it, it's come up for you too. Is um, when it comes to like actually breaking down a project into sort of tasks and actionable steps, um, perfectionism can get in the way when we don't have an, a realistic idea of what it looks like to finish that project or that task or whatever. Um, and we think it's not done, it's not finished until it's flawless. Yeah, and what does flawless mean? And right. is flawless attainable? Probably right. not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, getting hung up on this idea that like, oh, it's got to be flawless, but that what we think that is, is like um, what signals flawless to us is a feeling, like an emotion, mm-hmm. or what we think will signal it, rather than like 
oh, what does this actually look like? Because if we think, oh, what, what would that actually look like? We might realize, yeah, that's, that's literally not possible. So mm-hmm. I'm going to just let, it, let that go. Yeah, it's actually the ringing bell of a conversation that I had. It was like, how will you know when you're done? It's just a feeling. Or how will you know when you've gotten the right present? It's a feeling that I have. Uh-oh. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Another example of how we can feel challenged by transitioning is if we, um, if we have slow processing speed. I know that I... I haven't been like diagnosed or like told by a professional that I have slow processing speed, but I have observed this enough in my life to realize that I have at least a really variable processing speed. And that means that a lot of the time it's pretty slow. And that means that I actually require more time to make a full physical, mental, and emotional transition than a lot of neurotypical people might. So would it be fair to say that like a processing speed is like how fast we take in information and process that information? So that could just be like reading or having a conversation with someone or any any way we take in information? Yeah, I think that um, that is a that's a good way to put it. Um, but also there are certain like, I don't know, there's certain types of information that are important that don't necessarily come up in the examples you just gave. And Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about how long, how just shockingly long it takes me to like start my morning every day. Um, And I say shockingly long because, you know, some people are able to like get up and be ready for their work day in like 20 minutes, especially if you're working from home these days. For me, basically like at least two hours from like waking up and like showering and eating breakfast and like getting started and transitioning into my day. Um, I just need a lot more time to do that than, um, Mm. than a lot of people. And I also like having a lot more time to do it. Um, so maybe that's part of it too. But, um, also if I'm going to be like referencing my checklist to remember to do certain things during my transitions, I might um, require additional time to read through my checklist and then go back to it and make sure I've checked off all the things. Um, Then somebody who remembers to do things because their, their executive function is more like internal and the sense of a neurotypical person. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so so the next point that we're talking about is the belief we typically harbor that we need to feel like it to actually engage in an activity. And that if we disengage with something we are doing, that we feel like doing, that we won't be able to replicate that in the future. And I have a hard time with this one. I have a really hard time. With the statement or the this belief? Like, what do you mean? This belief. This belief. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I hundred percent think that people need to feel like it to do it. Um, oh, that's totally. what you mean. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I have a hard time. Like, okay, well, if I don't feel like it, how do I do it? <laughs> and right. basically I think that what I've done in my life is anything that I don't feel like doing, I figured out a way to make myself feel like doing it. Hmm. So how, how do you make yourself feel like doing something that you don't typically feel like doing. Right. So like, um, 
sorry if any of my teachers are listening to this, but <laughs> during class, I I like to do chores around the the house. So like I'll do my laundry during class. I'll, I'll clean the bathroom during class. I'll vacuum during class. I'll do all the things that I don't necessarily enjoy doing on their own. But it's almost like fun during class because I have my headphones in and I'm moving while learning. Can we just clarify that you take a teleclass? Yeah. Other than like a class in person or a class on video. Because yes. people might be like, wait, she does what during class? Yeah, that's, that's a really important uh, piece for people to hear. Um, yeah, thank you for clarifying that. But yeah, so I, so I like to, but normally I'd be like, oh my God, I have to vacuum. Mm. But it, it's just like this really cool opportunity for me to get stuff done while learning. And that makes a lot of sense because your brain's sort of like engaged in something that is interesting and requires some like focus. Um, but you're like, you generally kind of enjoy the, the topics I would yes, think to yes, yes, some yes, extent. Yeah. yeah. Um, and because your brain is engaged and you're excited and interested in the topic, then it's much easier. It feels so much easier to like do the things that are boring that we otherwise put off. Yeah. And it's, it's not painful. Mm-hmm. Because you're basically like your brain's engaged in something super interesting and the chore you're doing is like kind of basic enough that it doesn't require your like full focus to do it, yeah. I assume. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, so, so I guess like what, what's your view on, on that statement? <clears throat> the belief about needing to feel like something in order to actually do it? Yeah. I mean... I see why you might have like issues with that statement. Um, And I think that there are things that like, as long as we're kind of observant and aware of like, Oh, what's the pattern of when I feel like doing that thing? Like you've identified that, like, Oh, I feel like doing it or I'm, and I'm inclined to do it when I'm, my brain is like engaged in this interesting um, practice at the same time or this interesting, like, like type of stimulation or whatever. but that requires some, that requires awareness and like the ability to identify those things when they're happening um, or when we are experiencing those like emotions of feeling like doing some like tedious chore. Um, and for me, uh, yeah, I guess that, that kind of, like I think that you've found a way to get around that like belief to some extent, it's not as though feeling like actually doing something um, like is completely random for you, right? Like you can, you can intentionally set things up so that you do feel like doing it. So I only listen to podcasts I really like when I'm doing something tedious at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I really, really, really hate folding my clothes okay. like it just like it's the worst I don't know I haven't always been like that but yeah um recently that's been the case and that means that I only listen to my favorite podcast when I fold my clothes that's awesome. I really really love listening to that podcast and that means that I don't like put off folding my clothes for 
ever and ever and ever. So I, I, I kind of like take myself in two directions is like, what's behind the resistance? Is it that I, the task is too big and I don't know what it's, what's involved in it? Or is it that like, it's this thing that I really don't want to do that I still have to do. Mm. And then I figure out, okay, well, what will make it easier to do it? Right. Can I do it with a friend? Can I, uh, you know, listen to my favorite podcast while doing it? Can I do it during class? Can I, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of options. Maybe I, I, I treat myself with, a, you know, I, I can't have chocolate, but maybe I have some chips. No. But um, I'm wondering, do you give yourself chips before you do the thing or after you do the thing or during the thing? During. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No, I love that you said that because um, I think a lot of people just automatically think, oh, I'll reward myself with chips afterwards. Um, no, then it's like. I don't. Yeah, I don't think that works at all. Yeah, what? it's super painful throughout. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like double making it harder for myself. <laughs> right. So you don't have to just like grit your teeth and bear it. You can find something that will um, distract you from feeling that bad about it. Yeah. And it sounds very funny, but eating chips is, is, um, <laughs> sounds really weird, but it's like, you're crunching the chips. It's like this whole experience and yeah, it's fine. It engages more than it engages multiple senses. Yes, it yeah. does. It does. <laughs> I'm wondering if we could talk a little bit about um interruptions and yes, how please like, what is what's up with that? Like how do we transition properly when um we're interrupted? Can I give a little bit of context? Please do. So like, can you picture yourself, you're, you're hyper-focusing on a task that it took you quite a bit of time to get into and you're in it and you're in the zone and you're doing the task and then somebody barges in and asks you a question. How what happens rude. to your mood? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How rude. <laughs> yeah, I guess I answered that question yeah. just before you asked it. <laughs> um, yeah, it plummets. You're just like, ah. Like yeah. I'm, I'm now pulled out of this yeah, space where I felt really good because I was able to like focus. Um, and this thing that was like kind of outside of my control, basically, yeah, just interrupted it and interrupted that sort of like being in that flow for me. And yeah, that's, that's gonna really negatively that tends to really negatively impact me and I know lots of other people with ADHD. Yeah. And it's, I think it's really important to know that and for those around you to know that and to explain to them what that interruption does to you. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think that we're, I don't think people really fully know what that does. And on the flip side, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm terrible at interrupting other people. Mm. Sorry. When you say you're terrible at it, um, does that mean that you aren't, you hesitate to interrupt or you interrupt them all? Like, interrupt a lot. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Like I'll have a thought. I'll be in a room, not with the person. And then I'll yell and be like, bah, 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 bah. and then, you know, they're doing their thing. <laughs> and then like, after I've yelled, I'm like, oh shit, I did it. You know, like I interrupted them. And I don't like when I do that, when people do that to me. Yeah. So I interrupt people more than I would like to interrupt them and that might sound strange but basically like it's not intentional it's not premeditated it's just like oh this really interesting thought I'm having and then uh like I need to share it before I forget but that isn't like yeah. a conscious 
like uh, all of that is not conscious. Um, it's not like I'm like, oh, I, I have this belief that I'm going to forget the thing. So I better say it now before I forget. It's like at the subconscious level and it's kind of instantaneous. Um, and I am so excited about the thing that I want to say. And I have such a strong belief that I'm going to forget it, that I actually just then forget to even like take a breath and think, I wonder what that person's doing right now. And when would be an appropriate time to share this? And what can I do to remember what I want to say? Yes. What can I do to remember what I'm going to say? And I think, again, I'm I'm like big on creating rules and like sort of templates for things. And I'm going to explain what I'm trying to say. Um, So like a rule in this situation could be, okay, Sam, I might interrupt you. Or I don't want to interrupt you. It's one of my tendencies. What can I do instead of interrupting you so that I can tell you the message that I want to tell you? Hmm. What can you do? Well, you could do what I do. You could try what I do. And that is making a note in your phone of what you want to say. And, you know, you could send me a text and say, instead of like saying the whole thing to me, um, now you could send me a text being like, I want to talk to you about this thing at some point, when would be good for you? Mm. So like, even like, like, uh, if you're in a relationship with somebody, you can just text them rather than yelling across the (laughs) You can, I know. (laughs) What? This technology these days. Or write it in a note. Interesting. Right. Yeah. I mean, the the thing about like sending them a text or I guess, yeah, a note where if you know that they're going to like read it somewhere in particular um, and just say, I want to tell you about this thing. Right. Um, Let me know sometimes that are like appropriate or suitable to talk about that. I just pictured somebody coming home to like a stack of notes on a table. (laughs) (laughs) just like i don't know alligator when can we talk about that (laughs) and then the britsy goes like alligator and then you're like i actually don't remember what alligator was i have no idea what i like what was i trying to say there yeah yeah so i guess in these notes it might be a good idea to get a little bit more specific i want to talk to you about um you know my experience of trying alligator meat when is good for you have you tried it i have no i have it yeah I have. what okay yeah. this is like our weird random fun fact for this episode is like yeah. Alyssa has tried alligator meat <laughs> and i don't know how or when that would have ever come up if i hadn't just like blurted out the word alligator yeah so that's that's all of our points that we had to make for today <laughs> And yeah, next time we want to talk to you about how you can navigate through transitions in your day-to-day life in more detail than we mentioned today. What? <laughs> I know, right? Like, what? <laughs> how could we possibly get into more detail? Um, All right. We yeah. will talk to you guys next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Alyssa. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the All Things ADHD podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone who you think could benefit. 
Or you could leave us a review on Apple Podcast or whichever platform you have found us through. Your feedback will help others to find our content. Check out our website at allthingsadhdpodcast.com and use our contact form to get in touch. We deeply value your feedback and we do our best to reply to every message. See you next time for another episode of All Things ADHD. Oh, and if you don't already follow us on Instagram, check us out at allthingsadhd.podcast. See you next time.